All right. Hi, Jeanette Jiffkins from Onyx Legal. What we're talking about today is there's a increase at this time of the year, and it may be the economic environment, in claims from customers saying, I want my money back. Um, so how do you deal with that? What that, so that's what I want to take you through today. Now, this is under Australian law. Unfortunately, everyone in the room today is Australian based. Um, it is governed under the Australian Consumer Law. And that is another piece of legislation. So there, I know there are some people out there at the moment quoting Trade Practices Act. Um, that doesn't apply. You're muted. Sorry, I muted because uh, there was a little bit of noise in the background. Um, so the Trade Practices Act, anyone who's referencing the Trade Practices Act to you is um, 12 years behind the times. Uh, so that is not current and hasn't been current for a very long time. It is the Australian Consumer Law. The way it works is there are things like you can say there are no refunds if you simply change your mind. So one of my clients was complaining to me this morning that they had someone trying to educate them on consumer law and rang them yesterday and said, oh, I'm allowed to purchase a Ford motor vehicle, drive it for three days and take it back if I don't like it. No. No, no, you're not. Um, there has to be a major fault in a product to entitle you to a refund or replacement. Um, otherwise, the provider is able to go through a repair process or a correction process to bring whatever it is that you've provided to them, services or products, up to speed. Um, the other sort of thing that's been triggering a number of claims for refund in the last few weeks has been misleading and deceptive conduct. Now, this, this blows my mind that people say this. So they say, you misled me into purchasing your product or service, and so I want my money back. Now, there has to be a basis to that claim. You can't just say you misled me. You've got to explain how you were misled um, and why whatever representation was made was the determinative factor or a large consideration in you making a purchase. So, for example, great one, and this happened this time last year, a client of mine purchased a motor vehicle that was an electric motor vehicle. They purchased it on the basis that all of the advertising all over the internet and the radio and everything was saying that this vehicle could achieve a certain number of kilometres before requiring a recharge. And it was very very easy for my client to demonstrate that that was a decisive factor in their purchase because they lived out of town. So they're not a CBD dweller. They've got a, I think it was a 116 kilometre round trip to come into the city and go out again. Um, so for them, the, the number of kilometres it could do between charges was very, very important because it meant that they could drive it into the city, park it all day and drive it back without having to charge it. Um, and it couldn't achieve what was represented. And they had trialled it over, I think they'd had their vehicle for about three months. Um, so we made a claim on the both the sales point because 
they're the representative and that's who you're allowed to go back to in any piece of equipment. You go back to whoever sold it to you. You don't have to go back to the manufacturer. Obviously, the dealership that sold the vehicle went straight back to the manufacturer and said, hey, guys, we're going to have to refund this vehicle. We need you to back us up on this. Now, it's interesting that the manufacturer was also responsible for putting the representations on the website. Um, it wasn't the dealership's responsibility. Those representations changed within, I think, 10 days of us putting in a letter making a claim. And they did refund. They took the vehicle back off my client. They refunded the full amount of the purchase. They came back to his property and removed the electric point, um, charging point at their cost um, and they covered his cost because he put advertising wrap over the car they covered that cost as well um, but that was because there was a significant difference between what they were representing and what and my client was able to demonstrate that they relied on that representation before he made a claim um, the problems that some of my clients are having with at the moment in the coaching and consulting space is some half smart people have gone onto the ACCC website, they've read some information, they've rung the ACCC, they've told the ACCC their side of the story. The ACCC do not give advice. They listen, they say, uh-huh, and your avenues are X, Y, Z. They don't make any decisions. They just say, here's where you can go for a course of action. Um, and so they make no assessment as to whether their misrepresentations were made or not. Um, so if you receive any of these sorts of inquiries, often they don't have any basis and you've got two courses of action in dealing with them. So if you have... Um, a high-end product. So one of my clients is $25,000 products. Um, in that situation, what we are doing is we're preparing responses to these claims and explaining to them um, that they haven't substantiated a claim. They've given us no basis upon which they have any legitimate legal course. Now, it doesn't stop them from taking another step. So the next step would be to go to a tribunal. So QCAT, VCAT, NCAT, you know, wherever you happen to be around the country, it's the civil and administrative tribunal. Um, they can still make a claim. And the process once they make a claim is there's a, a conciliation or mediation process. And in that process, I can tell you, if you are the defendant, all the tribunal is trying to get you to do is return money to the purchaser. That's all they're trying to do. They're trying to resolve it so it doesn't end up in their court list. Um, and their framework, mental framework for resolving it is you, you have the money, you pay money and it'll go away. Um, I know it, it's horrendous. Um, so just be aware that even though, for example, what we're doing is we respond to people, they may or may not take it further. The cases where they don't take it further is often when we have a legal rep on the other side and we respond to the legal rep's claims and we explain to them why they don't have a claim and then those things disappear. Um, and they often disappear at that point because the lawyer has acted in the first place on the 
presumption that the client's going to get some money back and they'll get paid. Um, and when there's a response that says, no, we're not giving you any money. And in fact, we're going to defend the claim. They go to their client and say, it's not worth you spending more money. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of self-represented people out there. So they just go, oh, you're wrong. And I'm going to get someone who's going to tell me I'm right. And that's when they file a claim. And even in the conciliation process, the conciliator can say to them, we don't think you have a claim, but here's the process. And they go, okay, well, I'm going to hearing because there's no cost to them. Um, if they're self-represented, they're not paying legal costs, it's their time. And they often look at it as well, the payout will cover the cost of my time or else they don't even think about the cost of their time. Um, so anybody in those situations, depending on the amount of the claim and the reasonableness of what's going on with the different parties, we often advise our clients that go to conciliation, try and resolve it, be aware what's going to happen is the conciliator is going to try and get you to pay some money, have a limit in your head that makes it worthwhile to let it go, um, see if you can resolve it there. The, what the tribunals do is they ask you if you want a deed of release in that process and you do. Yes, you do. You want a deed of release because that stops any further um, disputes in the future around that topic. Um, you get the deed of release. As long as that comes back signed, then you pay that small amount of money and it goes away. It's the quickest, easiest way to deal with things, which is unfortunately why the tribunal mindset is you should pay money. Um, However, it does sometimes go further. So we've got one client at the moment where there's a refund for an education program that was purchased back in 2019 and completed in full. Purchased and completed in full. And the client wants their money back because they haven't applied it. So they said, oh, it was, you've misrepresented it because I haven't made any money you applying my education. It's like, you haven't actually applied your education. Where's the misrepresentation? Um, so that one is unfortunately going to hearing. Uh, we think we have a good argument. Our client is prepared to take it to hearing um, and argue the point because they do not want to set a precedent where other, other students are gonna come back and say, well, I didn't apply my knowledge, I haven't got a job or whatever, um, I want my money back. You imagine what that would do to TAFE colleges. It's just nuts. So anyway, ACCC claims. Lots of people are self-educating at the moment. Lots of people are getting it wrong. You can respond to these things. You need to understand your responsibilities and have a strategy for how you're going to respond and how you're going to deal with these matters um, and what money you're prepared to invest in defending your, represent, uh, your reputation or in resolving a matter and moving on. Uh, so that's what I wanted to discuss with you today. I hope that was helpful. Thank you. That's uh, brilliant. Any questions? Just put your virtual hands up. We've got questions. How about a real hand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, Jeanette, thanks so much for that. Um, I actually bought a sales training program with somebody and they outlined what they were going to do. Um, halfway through our engagement, I kept emailing going, we have not 
gone through any one of the outcomes. None of the outcomes have been addressed from the beginning. Everything that you've outlined has not been addressed at all. And I had halfway through and then almost every week, every month, emails and everything. Got to the end, the person just wasn't even contacting me, wasn't even booking in sessions or just responding. I went back to them and said, you've got to issue me with a refund because you haven't delivered on any of this. And I've got all this proof to say that I've been asking for it throughout our time together. They said, nope, you've signed a refund policy. So I went to somewhere, some organization, and they said a refund policy doesn't work. Got that evidence, sent it back to them. She said, speak to my lawyer, went to a lawyer, started emailing the lawyer. The lawyer wanted proof. Suddenly the lawyer went quiet. So I reckon she must have had to pay her lawyer every time she's answering me. So <laughs> the lawyer just stopped like messaging back. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And then, like you said, QCAT, I was like, the next step is to go to QCAT. And I was like, what is the value of my time versus $5,000 through the whole QCAT process? Like, so I haven't done anything, but it irks me. It would be worthwhile filing in QCAT and going to conciliation. Because there's a so the the process in that is filing the claim, which you can do, you can print the claim form off the internet. Um, you just lodge it in your local magistrate's court, and you can do that by post. Uh, and then they list it for a conciliation conference. And if the other party doesn't turn up to the conciliation conference, it goes straight to hearing. And then you can decide whether you want to, you know appear at a hearing or not, you would essentially just put forward all of the evidence you've already got um, to that hearing. But all of it is done, a lot of it is done on the phone now. You don't actually have to go somewhere and do it in person. Um, but the conciliation process, if they turn up at that, um, you can probably get an agreement and it's the conciliation would take maybe an hour on the phone. Okay. I can see that area being a, uh you know, very interesting situation because anyone who's providing a service, there's quite a number of us here on the screen who are doing just that. We provide a service and we've got to, you know, if we've told the person this is what we're going to do, then we have to make sure that we've covered all of that, we've delivered that. Then the issue is, has that person taken that and then applied it? And that then becomes their responsibility. And we've actually done that. So, Two examples, uh, one in the past where I signed up for some business coaching and it ended up me counselling the coach every time I spoke to them. Just, <laughs> oh, man, it drove me yeah, nuts. That's always my favourite. <laughs> yeah. So I made a claim for a full refund and got it on that one and they also gave me three months' worth of free coaching with a coach who actually did provide yeah. some coaching, which was really interesting. Um, the other example is... Um, what was my other example where a refund wasn't applied? Um, oh, I, I wrote a contract for a client of mine who does business coaching, specifically around business plans. So one of the very first steps in his process is he sends a template business plan and your obligation as his um, mentee or coachee or whatever is that you've got to fill that in in draft at least and provide it back to him. And then he can coach you through the process of completing it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and he had an accountant work with him. She went through the whole process and he provided 13 weeks, which is more than his usual um, coaching period, 13 weeks of sessions with her. Uh, his sessions are usually an hour, but she used to always extend them to about 90 minutes. At the end of the process, she made a claim and said, I don't have a workable business plan and I want my money back. But we were able to demonstrate in his contract, it says your responsibility is X. I can't deliver unless you do this. And she hadn't done it. So it didn't even get to, it didn't, in that case, it was VCAT. It didn't even get to VCAT because she just hadn't fulfilled the fundamental requirement in that coaching agreement that would give rise to her ability to make a claim. So when we look at this situation that you've been describing today, before we even get to that point, we've got to come back and make sure that our terms and conditions are well and truly structured and laid out so that when we get to that point where you talked about today, if we get to that point, it's cut and dry. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we actually had one, one of our very first paid premium members on Be Connected World uh, came back to us after six months and said, it hasn't worked, I want a full refund. And I went, have you turned up to any networking events? No. Have you created your profile on Be Connected World? No. Block. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And that's a bit Beautiful. of a lesson for all of us um, when it comes down to just our own, in our own responsibilities, if we're in a network, for instance, participate, be there fully in anything we do, unless we are there 100% doing our part, we can't point the finger at the other person. And so we're gonna make sure that our backyard's cleaned up first before we go anywhere else. Because when you've got a good uh, group, the, the potential of what you're able to create is there, but you have to put your work in, in the first place as well. Well, thanks very much for that, Jeanette. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah.